0: welcome my friends to the generations broadcast kevin swanson your host with you bill jack from worldview academy and studio thankfully he's going to be the inspiration hey, Kevin, you are the inspiration for the program today because i am down for the count bill. we are in so trouble we're counting on you <laughs> we're looking to you bill for a little inspiration here uh yeah just neil kesky has been down with the flu but uh don't get close to me Okay. Keep no, your distance. It's, it's hard to keep get close your distance. To
1: you. you're, you're kind of a uh, you know, I, I didn't, a cactus, kind I, of I, anyway. Well, I
0: didn't give Bill his customary hug <laughs> yeah, this yeah,
1: morning. Exactly.
0: Okay. All right. Uh, but this is one of the most interesting, I think, encouraging surveys that I've seen in a long time InfinityConcepts.com. It's confirmed that the single greatest influence in evangelical Protestants becoming Christians is guess what? Their parents. Parents. That's right. Their parents. Um, the generational factor most powerful, most significant in the development of the Christian church. I mean, that's just it. Seventy-two percent of adult evangelical Christians came to their beliefs before they reached the age of eighteen. Eighteen, right? Seventy-two percent. That's huge. Uh fifty-one percent of evangelicals confirmed that their parents were the most important or significant influence in their becoming a Christian. Fifteen percent Credit a spouse or a sibling. Okay, so that's not a surprise either. So what are we up to? We're up to sixty-six percent, and only three percent credit a Sunday school teacher, a VBS instructor, or some other ministry in the church. Four percent credit a concert or a crusade. All right. So again, pretty minimal. Would you agree? I mean, those numbers I, I are pretty I was surprised minimal. by the Sunday school. Mm-hmm. By the Sunday school. That'd, that'd be a little higher.
1: I thought it would be much higher. Yeah. Well, it tur-
0: turns out it's 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 not. And I'm going to get to that in a little bit because I think Sunday school does help a few kids. Uh, but church attendance, reading the Bible, second and third most important factors, uh, only 4% became Christians in the last four years. And Bill, the average adult evangelicals conversion happened nearly 37 years ago. Meaning that I think you're still working off of the energy from the Jesus movement of the 1970s. I guess that would be my take. Is yeah. We're still... Uh, somewhat influenced by the Jesus movement in the 1970s. And it was, as I see it, a tremendous and powerful work of the Holy Spirit at every stage.
1: Right.
0: I mean, think about how many people, including my wife, who were converted in college ministries in the 1970s. They actually don't have college ministries here, but um, I probably is some derivative of the church. But the bottom line is there's just been a lot of. Of effect from the Jesus movement in the 1970s, and You're we are right. r- we are skating on that right now. I, in fact, I look at the home school movement as being something of a derivative of the uh, the college discipleship movement of the 1970s and 1980s. That's where we came from. That's that's what where my wife and I were were, were doing in the 1980s. Okay, so the reason for this ministry is, guess what? You know, our ministry is called Generations. Generations yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you get the idea. It's the seventy two percent solution.
1: Was, a, was this a quiz?
0: Yeah, just in case. case You've been with me for only like nine years and you forgot. It's possible, Bill, your (laughs) age and all that. I'm trying to take some of that into account. But the point is that uh, we, we, we are a ministry that is dedicated to this idea that, yes, the hearts of the fathers must turn to the sons, sons to the fathers, parents to the children, children to the parents. And that comes by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament age. You think about Eli's kids. They didn't turn out very good. No, Samuel's kids, nah, didn't turn out very good. What about David? David, uh, David, yeah, yeah. okay, so. uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. The whole daughter and son thing. Okay, so that's that's the Old Testament. But you come to the New Testament age, and I'm just thankful that you know Ralph Swanson. Be say, who's who's Ralph Swanson? Uh, he's just like a nobody. A friend of mine used to say, Joshua, son of none. Who's none? Oh, nobody. Nobody. Yeah. No. <laughs> but uh, my dad, Ralph Swanson, raised us, you know, on this little island out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And we had a little tiny church. I mean, you don't get big churches in Japan, okay? You max out at 14. 27's a mega church in Japan, mm-hmm. okay? So, but what's he doing? Every day, every day we're in the Word of God. 7.20, I still remember, all the way to 8 o'clock. My dad is opening the Word of God. My mom's reading Pilgrim's Progress. We're just, you know. We're just learning the Psalms, the hymns, and that's it. And there's six kids that serve God in some capacity somewhere around the world today. And I think it's all by the grace of God, but but still a means. I'm talking about the difference between a means and an ends. If farmers, you know, plant, and then God brings forth the increase. So we got to keep that in mind. But you don't get a lot of increase if there's a farmer just, you know, hey, it's God's sovereign. He'll just make it happen, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't get a whole lot of increase that yeah. way. I mean, try. I mean, maybe a crow flies over the field, kind of drops a seed, you know. I mean, occasionally you'll get something, but probably not a lot. You know, hyper-Calvinist farmers don't do very well. <laughs> okay. All right. So, so human means are very, very, very important. And what is the means that God has assigned? Well, this is the means. And I think the health, the uh, very existence of the church has everything to do with parents. I mean, parents, tag, you're it. I mean, the, 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 we are relying upon parents right now for the church in 2055. Yeah. It's got to be parents. I mean, this is it. This is what God has assigned to parents uh, to raise their children, the nurture and the admonition of the Lord Jesus Christ, to teach your children, God's word. As you walk by the way, as you rise up, as you lie down. And we, we, we are dedicating our ministry to empowering, equipping, engaging parents to this very responsibility. And I, I, I hope that parents just see that. Wow. The potential. Wow. The potential. I mean, that's what this thing tells us. It was the reason you have a church today is because of a Christian family getting into the Word of God on a daily basis. And maybe as weekly, but whatever. But at least there's a, a father and a mother, and they are the major influence in over half of evangelical Christianity. Right. Over half of evangelical Christianity would not exist had it not been for parents in the 70s and 80s and 90s doing what they were doing. Um, so I call this the generational effect. 51% of evangelical Christians confirmed their parents were the most important or significant influence in them coming to the faith. New Testament age comes about with what? Malachi 4, 6 is the hinge verse. And that's why we keep coming back to this is because, you know, the hearts of the fathers turn to the children, children to the fathers, by the Holy Spirit filled John the Baptist, all right, lest God would smite the world with a curse. And I, I personally think if it's not for that, you're going to have a David's son situation. You're going to have Eli's son situation. You're going to have effectively what you saw in the dysfunctional element of the old covenant church. So the outpouring of the Holy Spirit really makes a difference. And hey, you know, it it, it might even stave off a curse upon the whole world. I mean, that kind of thing, right? Noah's kids didn't turn out very well. Think about that. Ham didn't turn out that great. And I, I, I think you pretty much had a disappearance of the faith. Uh, by the time you get to Abraham, I'm just working through that right now in our uh, Preparing the World for Jesus history course. Uh, going through Gilgamesh and going through Nimrod and some of the the stuff that was going on. But what you see is a, a dissolution of faith over and over and over again until you get to Malachi 4, six, And then in Acts chapter 2, what does Peter say? Well, it's here. Holy Spirit's poured out. This is it. This is the Jude prophecy, big time. And your children will prophesy. And the promise of the Spirit is to you and to your children. Mm-hmm. So, so those, uh, those promises are big time took for me. And I, I think one of the reasons for the generational apostasy bill is because we have not really recognized the power of the Holy Spirit and what he does through a father and mother. My dad is like, you know, maxed out 12 people in his church. I mean, he's not some mega church pastor, but by God's grace, you know, six kids serving God. So it's just, this, I think, is, is the strategy that God has laid out for us. I'm not saying that Sunday schools or VBS or youth groups are entirely ineffective. I'm just saying they're the 3%. But if parents aren't engaged, you can kiss the church goodbye. That's what I'm saying. That is really the thrust of this ministry. I mean,
1: and, and I think uh, one, of the, one of the things that uh, has impacted that 3% and made it so much lower than it used to be is the impact of the secular schools, the state schools, and because, the Km
0: survey brought that out, remember? Oh, is that right? Yeah, 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 he said these Bible stories 20 minute Bible story vignettes aren't going to stand against you know yeah. what like forty, fifty sixty hours of indoctrination right. in these public schools, and yeah, he said Sunday schools are pretty much ineffective right. to, to stem that tide
1: it, it was it was designed to reach reach the the street kids. Yeah, of the day it was sure sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and and had an had an impact. It had sure did. Effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and but you know just every every ministry has its its time. You know there are churches that come and go, but every ministry has its time, and it's it was for that time. But
0: this one's time tested, and this one is scripture. Yeah, you do you, you don't have a ton of. Scriptures on Sunday schools. It's not it's not the you latest know, we're, program, we're, we're, it's we're, not we're, the latest we're, we're, project.
1: It is this is God's plan.
0: Where does the Apostle Paul and Peter go? Get your Sunday school and VBS going. I mean, no. come on, guys, what's no. wrong with you people? No. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't get that much in the book of Ephesians, but you do get a fair amount about parents, you know, engaging. So friends, I'm I'm telling you, if twenty percent of the effort put into Sunday schools are put into fathers teaching their children God's word as they sit in the house, I don't think we'd be in this sad state of affairs for the Christian church today. I mean, that's just my take on it. Uh, just 20%. Take 20% of that uh, effort you put inside of school, and this is empower, encourage, and get family Bible study guides into the hands of families and just super, super encourage and equip them to do the thing that God wants them to do. I honestly think that's going to pay back in spades. Be back with more in just a moment on the Generations Broadcast. We've seen it, folks. God is working in the hearts of dads and sons, and He's turning the hearts, turning the hearts of fathers back to the sons, and the hearts of sons back to the fathers, and turning us all back to God. That's what we're looking for, and that's the theme of the Father-Son Retreat we've been sponsoring out here in the mountains of Colorado for the last 20 years, and I've been part of this for all this time. Now, God has done amazing things through the years. Uh, I've seen it. 350 dads and sons getting into God's Word together. Nothing like it. Camaraderie, brothers on brothers, it's a band of brothers coming together, powerful talks, prayer, father-son walks and talks, meaningful engagement. It's almost going without saying that dads and sons don't get enough time together. And hey, we don't get enough time out in God's nature playing games and going for hikes in God's fresh air, and we don't get quite enough time in God's Word either. So don't miss this year's Father-Son Retreats this August, in the Colorado Rockies, up in the Sangre de Cristo Mountains. Check it out at com and register today and be one of the first 125 people to sign up and save $100 per father and son. Secure your spot with the biggest discount available right now at com. And we are back on Generations. The majority influence in the development of the Christian faith on planet Earth is... Parents. Parents went out over pastors. Pastors are, you know, involved. There's no question about it. Pastors are a little bit more in the background, though, when it comes to the perpetuation of the Christian faith. It's interesting. It's really parents. And so this is God's assigned means for the propagation of the faith in the church for the next generation. You could say, well, I just don't like that. I disagree, God. I, I don't like that means. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, it's kind of tough bananas, right? I mean.
1: there's, there's a lot of stuff in the Bible with which I disagree. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I didn't write it. You didn't write it. <laughs> I didn't exactly. write it. I'm so subject you, to it. You better come
0: around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. There so, are there
1: are pastors who have who impress, okay? huh. Um, I, I recall as a kid sitting in church and being impressed yeah. by pastors. And the preaching matters. Yes. but I the think the preaching impact, is
0: a, an eight leg on the stool, but man, without yeah. those parents. But the impact. That's is, a catalyst. Is, was from my parents. That's it. Exactly. So Same pastors thing for me.
1: impressed, but parents impact.
0: Okay. I like that. Yeah. Okay. That's a good way to put it. Um, God has not assigned Billy Graham, Billy Sunday, Billy anybody else to reach your children for Jesus.
1: No. He has, he assigned Billy Graham. Tag, Jack. you're it. It's yeah. Billy Jack. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, I like that. That's right. I hadn't thought about that. Okay.
0: <laughs> uh, so how do we cultivate the faith in our children? Here's here's what you do. Plant the seeds and water the seeds over eighteen years, and then you can look up after eighteen years, see what God did. Now that's that's my recipe. Okay, that's that's it. Be a good farmer for 18 years, and you can look up after 18 years and see what God did. And I look at my children, and I say, I didn't do that. I, you know what I'm saying? I mean, when God does something in your kids' lives, you go, I didn't do that. I, yeah. I've done a lot, but I didn't do that. Right. <laughs> and I think that's the way it is at the end. But the farmer has still got to be the faithful farmer. Yeah. That's that's all we're saying, friends. And
1: uh, and we got to realize that, that there's no formula.
0: No, for no, this. no. And forget the formulas. We're no, 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 seed no. chuckers. Yeah. Yeah. So, and there's no, some, real, there's no real style to that. You know, you mm, can flick your yeah. hand this way or that way, but yeah. don't get too excited.
1: And and the soil is the soil well, that yeah, it falls yeah. on. Mm-hmm. That's and right. So, so uh, we we have to realize that we do our best as parents to mm-hmm. follow God's word. And it's up to him to bring the fruit. That's Some right. plant, some That's water,
0: right. some harvest. Yep. But the Lord brings it. He the brings forth the increase. That's yeah. right. Exactly. Well, Deuteronomy 6-7 is the uh, ultimate corpus text on how to do this or what to do. And this is, this is it Deuteronomy six, five to seven is, is pretty much it friends. And, and, and what is it? And of course, this is, this is four hours of presentation conference stuff for Kevin (laughs) Swanson, you know? So I'm not going to get onto this, but just to say it begins with love for God and just start there, you know, love for God, love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength so much so that you'll love your kids. You'll love his word and you'll give his word to your kids. So it starts out with love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Then it goes on to, and his word abides in you. So it's it's very similar to what Jesus said. The word of Jesus has to abide in you. Okay, so that's second step. And the third step, if you've got the word of God in you, you love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And and now you have these kids sitting around you and you love them, right? And you're loving them, so you're telling them about the God you love. And it's just kind of a natural thing. I think it should be a natural thing. I don't think it's kind of this forced thing where the pastor told me to do this. So I'm now doing it. Kevin Swanson says that all of the future of Christianity hangs on me doing this, so I've got to do this. That's what we're saying. We're saying you gotta love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But why? Well, because God loved you. Right. And gave a son for your 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 sin on his cross. It's the least we can do. It's the least we can do. Amen, brother. Amen. All right. So let me throw out this too, because these are some of the things I've been thinking about lately. Um I brought some of this out in a Mexico conference down on the Yucatan Peninsula this last week, and I, I said, you know. Guys, and by the way, a great translator, man, he was God gifted, spirit filled. I think he got ahead of me a few times, <laughs> <laughs> but it was great. Uh, but, you know, you care for your children's physical needs, right? How many parents listening have starved their kids, say for the last four days? What do you think? Percentage wise, mm, probably less than 0.000001% maybe. Right. Right. The average parent is not going to starve their kids. Right. Why? Because they love them. They love them. They take care of them, right? Okay, so you you seem to be very concerned about your children's physical life. What's about their spiritual life? What about their spiritual needs? What about eternity? What about that? So I think, Bill, part of this is just recognizing there's more to a child. I mean, you feed the cat, right? My wife came in, got the cat food this morning, and put it out there. There's more to a kid than cat food, (laughs) right? Like, here's food. Have fun, kids. Why is there more to a kid than that? Well, because they've got an eternal soul, right, Bill? There's a spiritual need here. But then our Reformed friends rush in and say, yeah, but God's sovereign. I, I know God's sovereign. I get it. But what if you would neglect to feed your kids? You say, well, God is sovereign. What if you fall asleep while driving the car on vacation? Three of your kids are killed in the accident. You say, well, God is sovereign. I fall asleep, no big deal. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you follow me here, Bill. I mean, we're, what we're saying is, yes, God is sovereign. We get it. That's it. Absolutely. But here's my question: Does any responsibility fall upon the dad and the mom?
1: Well, God has re- has placed the responsibility, mm-hmm. yeah, on the on the fathers to lead the family and on on mothers. You know, it reminds me of what Jesus said in Matthew seven, ten, and eleven. He said, "If he asks you for a fish, will you give him a snake? Yeah. If if you then." Though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Mm-hmm. So, we even the the non-Christians love their kids. Yeah, they don't love them perfectly, nor do we. And and but they, they don't may, love them biblically, and maybe. and they
0: may not recognize their spiritual nature. Right. So that's another caveat. Right. But they're still giving them good gifts. Right. So all we're doing is challenging Christians to say, "Love your kids. Give them a good gift
1: today." Yes.
0: All right, and that is that is the Word of God. That's the gift. That's the gospel. Okay, so as you love your children, as you love them, ask yourself that. Do I love my children? Maybe I should feed them this morning. Maybe I should give them some food. As <laughs> as you love your children, You don't, them, you don't even teach think them. about it. Yeah, you don't even think about it, right? Teach them the Word of God. Teach them the gospel. It's the most important lesson in all of human reality is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sunday School and VBS, Kitty Ministries, Bill, only 3% effect combined. Bill, that's combined. 3% combined. That's probably, again, children brought from the neighborhoods, raised in unconverted homes. That's my guess. My guess is you're still getting an effect. That was the intent of Sunday School.
1: Yeah, it was.
0: And they're getting some effect from that. But here's the point. Don't rely on Sunday School, Mom, Dad. Don't rely on it. It's okay, they can attend Sunday school if they want. We actually found that our kids didn't really need to go to Sunday school because they were in Sunday school every day. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, but don't delegate the faith discipleship program to others. The Bible actually presents parents as primarily responsible, actually ultimately responsible, and nobody else responsible. Parents are responsible according to scripture. Now, Now, pastors hold parents accountable to their responsibility. So I'm not, I'm not discounting the role of the church. I'm not discounting the role of preaching because I think preaching does help. But as you said, it's parents primarily responsible for doing this and delegation to a minimum as far as we see in scripture. Why? I was at a Christian school down in the Denver Metro. I think it's the largest Christian school in Denver Metro. Walk into the administration building, Bill, and there over the administration desk is the verse, you shall teach your children God's word as you sit in your house. And I looked around me and said, this doesn't look like my house. <laughs> I, I don't recognize this yeah. place. Well, again, I, I, this just seems to me the Christian church has not quite got it.
1: Well, you know, as a parent, I, I can delegate authority. I can't abdicate responsibility. It's true. It's I, true. I can hire you as a tutor yeah. if I'm deficient in a certain subject, or I can form a co-op. Perhaps yeah, you can and, sure. and have different parents teach different subjects. Sure, but but even or as I a- can home educate or I can send my student to the to the pit of the of the state school, but I'm ultimately accountable and, to
0: God. And, and you're going to have to double check to see if the work's being done properly. Right. I mean, you're, you're, you're assigned oversight. You're managing this. This is your responsibility for the CEO of the universe as to how this is working out. But what, what does the Word of God say? Deuteronomy 6, 7, you shall teach your children as you sit in the house. Yeah. What does Ephesians 6, 4 say? Fathers, bring your children up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord Jesus Christ. What does Proverbs 1 say? I mean, this is God's book on discipleship and education of children. Fathers, mothers, fathers, fathers, fathers. My father you know, taught me these things, et cetera. Proverbs 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, all the way to 31. 31, mom shows up yeah, and has some instructions for son. But what is it? What does the Bible say? What is the predominant message that somehow if we could get this, get a hold of this? And I see, Bill, it's not 100%. I get it. I mean, my my kids were learning piano from grandma for 22 years or whatever it was over the phone, by the way, we can travel all the way to Oregon every day. So uh, delegation is okay. I'm okay with that. But I'm just saying, what's the emphasis here? What's the emphasis of the church ministries? Um, so, and here's one more thing. I think we, as parents need to exemplify the word and live it out before our children. We first receive the gospel ourselves and apply it to ourselves. And we demonstrate for our children that we need Jesus. Absolutely. And and we are always in prayer, in reliance upon Jesus, always. So it can't just be something that here. Here's some word of God for you. This will be good for you. You follow me here. Otherwise, we're going to get into hypocrisy. So you you and if you sin in front of your kids, you got to be able to say, I, "My bad, I did I it. Wrong. I was wrong. It's right." Okay, and then finally, let me address this issue before we're done. What about church folks that refuse to teach their children as they sit in the house, as they walk by the way? What do pastors do? And I'm going to address this because, you know, this is is something of an issue. Now, I think there's a generational apostasy that goes on, and most of the time it starts with the parents, not the children. Something I think we need to remember. So, the parents are lukewarm, the children turn out ice cold. So this kind yeah, of thing can happen.
1: I was just thinking about that today. What, what parents practice in moderation, their children will practice in space. Yeah, I
0: mean, the dad gets a porn habit going, the son turns into homosexuality. I mean, this kind mm-hmm. of thing is pretty common. Uh, parents are not really receiving the preached word of God, the word about sin and uh, Jesus Christ crushing sin, the devil at the cross and repentance and faith and loving God and obeying God. They're actually receiving. They're not receiving this. They don't receive the whole enchilada. Maybe they like a little bit of it, but they don't want the the whole thing. They don't want the gospel. They want the full thing. They're not saying amen in the church to it. I'm not saying saying amen is absolutely necessary. Some people say amen just because that's what they do. Mm -hmm. But I'm saying your heart has to say amen to this word. You have to go, yeah, this is for me. But there's a lot of parents, nominal Christians just sitting there calling themselves Christians, but they're not Christians. When you tell some of these parents to do anything for Jesus, they immediately say, you're abandoning the gospel. The gospel is about Jesus forgiving me, so I don't have to do anything. Uh, what are you, some kind of a legalist? You know, you get this kind of thing. Anytime you get a, you know, you're trying to exhort them to love and the good works, etc., you get this, you know, inevitably they revert back to this. You're not about the gospel. What's wrong with you, people? A bunch of legalists—they sort of accept Genesis, or I'm sorry, uh, Ephesians two eight. You know, by grace you are saved through faith; that not of yourselves is the gift of God. But they don't want two ten. You are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. They certainly don't want six four. Fathers, bring your children up with the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. So you know, they'll take a little 2-8-8 action, but they're not really into the two ten or six four action either. So you've got this issue. Um, so what do the what do the pastors do? You know, the the very first generations of Presbyterian churches, I'm going to say, in the late 1500s, early 1600s, believe it or not, they would not allow a father to participate in the Lord's Supper if he had not been doing family worship throughout the week. Hmm. Now, that's pretty hardcore. (laughs) I'm not recommending that necessarily. That's (laughs) pretty strict. But but the other aspect to this is I think some parents do need some training to this. I've noticed this. I would recommend that some pastors actually do a daily devotional and prayer with families for about three to four years just to train them in the discipline. So that is their recommendation. Not Everybody's not going to do that. They're going to say, you know, hey, I'm going to dedicate my life to discipling these families, to disciple their kids. But I think if, if pastors would say, okay, we're dealing with people who have no idea how to disciple their children, and we're going to walk with them. For three years, four years, five years. I actually believe that's what the Apostle Paul was doing at Corinth and Ephesus as he's planting churches because he's hang out for three years. He'd do some basic discipleship, daily discipleship, and then he would kick him loose to, you know, disciple their own children. Alright, and I'd also recommend our Family Bible Study Guides as well. We put together the Family Bible Study Guides as a means of just making it easy for families who aren't used to this kind of thing, and it's just it's laid out, so you have a lesson, you read Scripture, you do the lesson, have some application questions, some discussion questions, and so I recommend our Proverbs Bible Study Guides, our Psalms Bible Study Guides, we have as well Matthew and John, I highly recommend those, I'm going through Matthew right now for probably the fourth time with my children. Uh, the Matthew Bible Study Guides. These are the basic, basic Bible studies on the Gospels, and they have tremendous uh, applications and uh, discussing questions in each section as well. So this family Bible study guides available at generations.org. That's generations.org. This is Kevin Swanson and Bill Jack, and we invite you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation.